Church, if you would stand with me uh, for the reading of the, of the word of the Lord. We'll be in Revelation chapter 3. We're wrapping up our series in the seven churches that are mentioned in the book of Revelation um, from chapters 2 to chapter 3, and we're at the end of chapter 3. Um, and I'll be reading through um, chapter 4, verse 2. Um, so if the words will come up on the screen, I do believe. Uh, if you have a smart device, or maybe you even have that translation of the Bible, I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version, the NRSV. This is the word of the Lord. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the origin of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. You do not realize that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Therefore, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white robes to clothe you and to keep the shame of your nakedness from being seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. I reprove and discipline those whom I love. Be earnest, therefore, and repent. Listen, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice, open the door. I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. To the one who conquers, I will give a place with me on my throne, just as I myself conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. After this, I looked, and there in heaven, a door stood open. And the first voice, which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, come up here. And I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit, and there in heaven stood a throne with one seated on the throne. Let's pray. Father, would you, would you help us in this space to understand where we stand right now? Continue to cultivate within us an awareness that we stand in the presence of the Holy of Holies. That what we have access to, what we have been invited into, is something that we can get absolutely lost in the wonder and the majesty of even contemplating. Father, help us to have awareness of your presence with us. Help us to, to know more and more what it is to have the gift of you abiding with us in every space of our lives. May, may our spirits call out to your spirit. May we be a people that know what it is to take joy, to have peace, to rest, to delight in the presence of the living God. And so we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Feel free to have a seat. I want to start 
with a little bit of a geography slash history uh, with you guys. It's just a, I know, absolutely thrilling way uh, to start this morning. But I want to let you guys uh, kind of get an idea of what Jesus is speaking to this church in Laodicea, where they're at geographically and what's been taking place amongst them historically. Because then after we get that kind of understanding of what's who they are, the city that this church resides in, we're going to go back and we're going to read another little, we're going to read a snippet of the section of, of scripture that we just read. Laodicea was in a fertile land. It was in a crescent. And um, because of that, it was an extremely affluent city. It was, it was a land that was absolutely just lush with greenery, lush with, with, with meadows and um, they had neighbors that were right there. It was kind of like a, it was a tri-city area, and there was a city that was just north of them, Hierapolis, and they were known for their hot springs. It was a place that people would go into, and you can imagine that people went to there because of just the, the healing kind of nature of, of being in a hot spring, or that was the understanding of the time that was taking place there. And then there was a city that was kind of southeast of, of uh, Laodicea, a city called Colossae, and they were known for their cold springs. They were known for their just cool, refreshing water. And Laodicea tried and tried and tried with all of their own ingenuity to try to import either those hot springs or their cold springs, and they just absolutely ended up with just nasty water. It just didn't work out for them. Right? It just didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't refreshing, it wasn't healing. I mean, it, 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 and, and the historians would say that it was kind of just so many minerals in that water. So though it might have made the land flush, they couldn't copy those hot springs and they couldn't copy those cold springs that were around them. Uh, Laodicea was at the junction of major trade routes. They were kind of like this major interstate, like kind of intersection that was taking place there. And, and so all of the merchants, all of the, um, you think about the Roman road and all the goods that would be transported, they were at the junction of these roads. And so their banking was absolutely thriving in this space because you imagine all of the trade that was taking place around them. Um, they had a thriving just medicinal, a medical community um, in this city. And specifically, they were known for this ointment that would be put on people's eyes. And then they had uh, an absolutely just like world-class, world-famous textile industry. Because of that fertile land that they lived in, they had so many sheep. And they were actually famous for um, their black sheep. And the, the wool from these black sheep was described as so soft and so glossy. So they were known for their riches. They were known for their, their, their medicine, specifically for eyes. And they were known for their, their clothing, for their carpet and everything that was there. Um, it's, what's unique about this letter that Jesus gives to the church in Laodicea is that so many of the other churches that are written to um, throughout this, this section here in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, um, there were these things that Jesus was calling out in the community, specific things that he wanted the community to confront. So for other cities they were, or other churches, they were told that you need to watch out for that woman Jezebel or the Nicolaitans, if you guys remember uh, those words over the past few weeks, because there were these false teachers that were in other church communities. 
Um, there were destructive behavior that other church communities were starting to embrace. There was idolatry and fornication that was just happening uh, kind of in a rampant way in a lot of early church communities. Um, and then other church communities, they, they were being encouraged by Jesus because of the persecution that they were facing in their city. Laodicea is not being confronted or encouraged for any of these things. There's no false teachings. There's no destructive behavior that needs to be called out. There's no persecution that's happening. The church is just kind of there. And so kinda, we'll keep that on the screen, and I want you to hear again the words that Jesus speaks to this church in Laodicea. He tells them, I know your works. You are neither cold or hot. I wish that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. You do not realize that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Therefore, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white robes to clothe you and to keep the shame of your nakedness from being seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. I reprove and discipline those whom I love. Be earnest, therefore, and repent." So you can see here in Jesus' words to this church community, he's speaking very specifically the areas in life in which they have became prideful and arrogant and self-reliant in. Now, there's two ways to, to, to talk about these words here. When Jesus says, you were neither cold nor hot, there's two ways to, to view this. What is Jesus communicating to this church when he's telling them don't be lukewarm. I, I wish that you were either cold or hot. And to kind of to discuss the two ways that theologians and pastors and just Bible nerds like us uh, have, have thought about when they look at these, these uh, words from Jesus, I wanted to use a couple of illustrations. Um, one way to talk about being neither cold nor hot is to talk about my tumblers. I... I have a variety of, of tumblers, and um, Loris and I have had plenty of conversations about how all of these tumblers end up all over the kitchen counter, and how she needs to stop doing that. No. This is my all-purpose tumbler. Uh, this is more specifically, a lot of times it's my morning tumbler. I purposely don't have a lid on it, um, because I like the wide mouth of, of this. And because it's for the morning time, it's just what I either do is pour iced tea in there or I can have some hot tea in there. And I don't want the plastic lid getting the flavor of either the hot tea or the cold tea or the Diet Dr. Pepper or the, whatever it might be. So I just keep it without a lid so that way it's just a pure kind of flavor to it. Anyone? Yeah? Makes sense, right? All right, so that's, that's my multi-purpose. We'll keep them up here on display. That's my multi-purpose tumbler. This is my basketball tumbler, and you can see that it's tumbled quite a bit. Um, what I really enjoy about this tumbler is that by accident, but I think by just sheer blessing from above, 
um, there's this there's this nice dent right here, and it fits like my thumb. Look at that, like perfectly. And and so for basketball nights, by the way, men, anyone ever want to play with me? I play every single Monday night, 7:30 p.m. over here on the basketball courts. You're welcome to join. We're not good. We try hard though. Um, it's just an incredible. Like it's it just holds a lot. It's the 40 ounce tumbler and got the the nice groove for the heavier tumbler. So that's. That's the basketball tumbler. This is the pure one. Um, this is just for water. Nothing but water goes in this one, right? Like you just have to have one that the plastic just hasn't had any other flavors, touch, or anything like that. So that's, uh, that's the water tumbler. And then this is the car tumbler. This is the, I'm, it, it fits in the cup holder and it's got a just, just nice, feel to it, and it's just the everyday uh, car tumblers. So those are, those are my uh, water tumblers. And to celebrate just tumblers, what I thought was is that, I mean, man, it, you guys go through Costco and then you just see them always on display and just go, I don't know, I think I have enough, maybe I don't have enough, I should probably buy another one just in case, right? Like just, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and get another one, right? So I was in Costco and I came across this one and I was just, I stood in front of, the, you guys have done the exact same thing. I stood in front of the display for like 10 minutes trying to decide, do I need more tumblers? And so what I decided that I would do is rather than buying it for myself, is that I would, I would give it away to, for someone this morning. Um, so the way that I'm just going to determine this is who has the, if your birthday already passed. So if your birthday was yesterday, then it doesn't count. But if your, whoever's next birthday is, you get to have this tumbler. June 20, 25th, June 24th, so June 20 still, still has it. Here you go, you get, you get some tumblers. Because there's nothing like a good tumbler, just more, more. Put them on your kitchen counter and just leave it there all week and just see how that helps marriage conversations. The thing about tumblers, when, when you're standing in front of those Costco displays, what you're not going to see it communicate is great at keeping your water lukewarm. Right? What the tumbler is, is there is saying you either want your, and, and all of these had, had an advertisement on it that said it will keep your drink hot for 12 hours and it will keep your drink cold for 24 hours. And that's the selling point for them. And when I was even prepping for this, for this message this past week, I was sitting in a coffee shop. And when you walk into a coffee shop and you look up on the displays, there are two panels. There are hot beverages and there are cold beverages. Now, can you imagine walking into a Starbucks? You have placed your order, and they respond by saying, you are in luck, my friend, because someone placed an online order four hours ago, and that drink has just been sitting on the countertop, and rather than paying for your hot or your cold beverage, you can have that one that's been sitting in the room for four hours. It's going to be absolutely delicious. 
And what Jesus is communicating here to the church in Laodicea, one of the ways that, that he may be communicating to them is, listen, you're, you're, you're doing things under your own power. You're reliant upon your riches, upon, on your own prosperity, upon your own strength. And the result is you're neither healing or refreshing. And you're going to be spit out of my mouth. There's another way to view this. There's another way to view this. And the way that I want to talk about this way is to talk about my Traeger, to talk about my barbecue. I, I had family over for my boys' birthdays because their, boy, their birthdays are just two days apart, so we throw one get-together for my family. And I thought that I would... Um, I would just grill some burgers, just make it really easy um, for that day. And uh, so before everyone arrived, I turned on the barbecue and I watched as the temperature began to rise. And I went into, back into the house and I began to press the patties, or I'd get all the patties ready and make sure that, that everything would be uh, great. And as I walked back outside 15 minutes later, what I noticed is that the temperature didn't hit what I had set it at. And it was around... 100 degrees. It was just kind of the temperature of outside. And I was like, man, right now, I, I love hosting. I do. I love cooking for people. And so it was just like this, this violation that was taking place of my values in that moment. And so I just, at that point, I turned off the barbecue and I cleaned it. I, like, I went through and I, I scrubbed the grates and I vacuumed out the, the ashes that were underneath and I, and I, and I scooped out the, 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 fire, or the little wood pellets that were in there and I put new fresh pellets in there. And, and so everything now was ready to function again and this time I was just like, I'm going to stand out here and for 10 minutes I'm just going to look at the dial, the temperature dial. And as I sat there and watched the temperature dial, it climbed up. I, had it, I wanted it to be like 350, and I watched it go past that 100 mark, and I watched it go past 170, and it got to about 200 degrees, and I thought, great, it's actually working this time. So I went back inside, and I went back to prep the food again, and I came back outside 10 minutes later, and again, my barbecue was about 100 degrees. And I was just like, what do I do? here in this moment. What is going on right now? And so I have this little fire pit and I had to like go find charcoal and throw it in there and get the fire raging there and I had a griddle in, in my house so now I'm now cooking um, burgers for my family on the griddle and on the fire pit outside because my Traeger wasn't hot but it wasn't cold. And what I wish would have happened in that moment is that either my barbecue would have worked or it just didn't start. So that way I would have known something was wrong. And what, what the other way of viewing this message to Laodicea from Jesus isn't either like, hey, either be healing or refreshing, like cold or hot, is either one's fine. What Jesus might be communicating in this message is, is either you have like an absolute passion for my name, or that you just realize that you're absolutely wretched. <laughs> just, 
just like, like, just realize you have nothing to offer, that you're broken. Either be hot or cold. But this middle of the ground thing, where you're kind of just doing your thing, it's blinding you to returning to a vibrant passion for my name or crying out in desperation that I meet you in the pit that you find yourself in. I wish that you were either hot, like a raging fire for my name, or I wish that you, I wish you were cold. I wish that you would have just be able to say, like, yeah, I'm just, I'm wretched. But the ground you find yourself in, what it's doing is it's blinding you to how much you need me. Because you can cruise through life right now. You have enough money. You have enough clothes. You have all the medicine you need. There's no, like, big, blinding, heretical teaching amongst you. There's no real persecution that's happening amongst you. And so in this space that you find yourself in, you're just able to coast, to just do your thing. And because you don't have these real high highs or these low lows, and it's like Monday through Saturday can just, it's almost like you can forget about me and it's not be a problem. And for that church, Jesus says, I wish you were hot or cold. But this casualness, it's not doing anything. It's not healing. It's not refreshing. It just is. What I found was wrong with my barbecue the fan stopped working. The fan stopped working. And so though the temperature could get hot, there was nothing to sustain it. And it just dropped. But it wouldn't drop enough to let me know that there was a prop, like that, there, that the machine was broken, that the barbecue was broken. And there's this call upon the church constantly fan into flame a passion for the name of Jesus. And that doesn't look like that we're always going to be here in this space and just being like running circles around the room and just be like, I can't believe it. Like we get to follow Jesus, right? Like that he's not that, but I think it's this call to say, what are we doing to constantly cultivate a practice of being in the presence of Jesus. 
what, what, what are we, what are maybe the habits or the practices amongst us or in our own lives where we're taking space to learn what it is to rest or to delight in the presence of Jesus? Is he becoming more and more of a dear, true friend in your life? Is he becoming someone that you're getting to know and and to discover, man, there's just so much grace and there's just so much peace to abide in the presence of Jesus. And I'll confess, one of the things that I was absolutely passionate about was about having my, my time, my quiet time in the morning, setting aside 10 minutes, 15 minutes in my morning to just sit and be still in a place of silence and solitude and just learn to just enjoy Jesus' presence. And it's faded. And I find myself, honestly, and this is my own place, of like working through the own convictions of my own heart, of of reading through this passage from, from Jesus speaking to the church of Laodicea that just says, oh, I feel, I feel this divine grace and conviction placed upon my heart to cultivate practices again to sit in the presence of Jesus. To learn to enjoy him, to learn to be still and be with him. Because the reality is, what I know in my own life I have enough money. I'm in relatively good health. And I have great shoes. (laughs) These were knockoffs from Amazon. But anyways. No, but I and I know I like I like shoes. I like again the reality is right, I've got enough money, I've got pretty good health. And I've got the clothes that I want in my closet. And Monday through Saturday, I I can get away with coasting. Oh, but to be invited again into the presence of Jesus. And to learn again afresh what it is to be alive in his presence. May that constantly be a calling that I hear from the Holy Spirit. And may I constantly return back into the presence of Jesus. So Jesus' solution to this church, his challenge to this church, is he tells them, buy from me. To this church that was on this major junction of of merchants and and all the trade that was happening around them, this church was was buying from others. They were buying, and, and, and we know it. We're a capitalistic consumer society. It is, it is how we determine how our, how our nation is doing based on our GDP reports, right? Like, we understand this kind of a thing, that, that what, what, because of that kind of culture that we live in, we are constantly, turn on your TV today, and you are going to be told over and over again, if you get this, There will be refreshment. There will be comfort. There will be joy if you get this. And may our eyes be open to the fact that we are regularly being sold a worldview 
that other things can sustain. And so Jesus tells this church that lives in a consumeristic society, buy from me. Buy gold from me. Buy clothes from me. Buy medicine from me. He's coming to a, a community that is self-reliant and saying, would you learn again what it is to trust in me? Would you learn again what it is to be clothed by me? The prophet Isaiah, sp speaking through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says this in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1. Oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And I love this. Do you see this little juxtaposition that, that's playing here? You that have no money, come buy and eat. Without money and without price. Or he says, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. And so what Jesus is saying here is like, you're not earning these things. You don't have to come to me and have it all put together, but you just come to me and you say, listen, I don't have anything. And it's just this incredible passage that says like, without money and without price, you can buy from Jesus. I went to a memorial service this past week for a local pastor, and it was, it was such a sweet time. Her husband got up, and her daughters got up, each of them to share, and each one of them shared the exact same thing. Each one of them said, when Mamacita got up, any time that she shared, she would say, I want to first thank God for my salvation. And she did that for decades. Every single time she got up, she communicated, I first want to thank God because I'm saved. And I'm being saved. That he is the one that is constantly saving me. And it was great. She, her husband got up and, and he shared and he said, Man, she would tell me, brother, you can backslide if you want, but just know I am not going with you. <laughs> she said, I'm not leaving my Jesus. And there was just something so sweet about being at her memorial service and just hearing the stories of this woman. And everything was just, it's about Jesus. And it's about his saving work. And I was listening to the stories about her. I, I've been thinking about those stories. And, I've, and I was thinking about these, this, this Eugene Peterson quote that I came across a while ago. It says this. It says, the biblical fact is that there are no successful churches. <laughs> there are instead communities of sinners gathered before God week after week in towns and villages all over the world. The Holy Spirit gathers them and does his work in them. In these communities of sinners, one of the sinners is called pastor. We have a handful of sinners called pastor in our community. And given, the and given a designated responsibility in the community. 
the pastor's responsibility is to keep the community attentive to God. We gather here week after week, hopefully not just out of practice, just not out of routine or rhythm, but there may there be again stirred within us. We gather here together because if it isn't for Jesus, then we're sunk. I don't want to know where my life would be if it wasn't for Jesus. May we gather here in this space and just again recognize and confess we need Jesus. May we be desperate for him. May we be a people that are either hot, that are just filled again with a fire and a passion for his name, or maybe we just come in here and just say, God, I am, I am ice cold. <laughs> I have nothing to offer. And this week, man, I am ashamed of. <laughs> it was not good. We gather in this space and just may it always be the confession of our heart. I thank God for my salvation. Grow again within us, instill within us a passion for your name. The Apostle Paul says it this way. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, or having plenty and of being in need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The Apostle Paul's confession to us is, is listen, I can have a whole bunch or I can have a little. The reality is, is if Jesus is making up the difference for when I have a lot or when Jesus is making up a difference for, the difference for when I have a little, it's all the same. And maybe the way to think about it is this way, is listen, if you and your best friend decided to play against basketball against me and Michael Jordan, I would be a fool to start celebrating how great I was on the court when we win. I can be absolutely incredible or I can be absolutely miserable on that court, but I, if, I have bas if I have Michael Jordan in his prime playing with me, you're going to lose. That's what Paul's saying here. I can have plenty or I can have a little. The reality is, man, it's about Jesus. And, and if you have a lot in your bank account right now or if you have a little in your bank account, if you were filled with worry this morning or life is pretty good, if you are walking through all kinds of tension and, and difficulty in your family or things are pretty peaceful right now, it doesn't matter if you have a lot or if you have a little. It is through Jesus that you have your strength, that we would learn to rely on him. Let's talk about these doors. Let's talk about the doors, not the bands, but here's what comes happens in Revelation chapter 3. You come up, put it up on the screen for me, would you? I want you to see this. I want you to see this parallel that's taking place here and what Jesus says to the church in Laodicea and what he says in, or what gets revealed in Revelation chapter 4. I color-coordinated it. Hopefully it makes sense to you. You can take a picture if you want and um, look at it again down the road. I'll have a chart right after this. But it says, Jesus comes to the church in Laodicea and he says, listen, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice... I will come and eat with you and you with me. To the one who conquers, I will give a place with me on my throne, just as I myself conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. 
Let anyone who has a hear, ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Revelation chapter 4 and 5 are the grounding passage of the entire book of Revelation. It is the picture of the throne room of, of God. And so right here at the launch of this grounding, this anchoring passage in the entire book of Revelation, it says this. After this, I looked in there in heaven, a door stood open, and the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit, and there in heaven stood a throne with one seated on the throne. Can you bring that chart up as we wrap up our time here together? Revelation chapter 3, the message to the church in Laodicea is this. Listen, Jesus is knocking on a door. You need to open that door and you need to hear his voice. And the call to all the churches is, is those who have ears to hear, listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. That phrase is to say, have life in the Spirit. Constantly live by, by an awareness of the Spirit moving amongst you. And the promise to them is Jesus will eat with you. He'll come into your room, to your house, to your life, and you'll, you'll sit down and you'll have a meal together. And, and then Jesus says, if all this is taking place, then you'll, you'll have a place with him on his throne. Revelation chapter 4, right? So he's, he's knocking on the door for the Laodiceans. And then Revelation chapter 4, there's a door open to John. And, and then the call to, to the church in Laodicea is listen to the voice. Listen to the voice of the Spirit. And John is hearing a voice speaking. And then the call is always listen to the Spirit of God. And then Revelation chapter 4, John is taking up in the Spirit. And then the promise is, is that we would, we would sit on a throne with God. And then, the, and then what John sees is a throne of God. And John just beautifully orchestrates and organizes the book of Revelation to show us he is, by the grace of God, living out what has been, what Laodicea has been challenged to live out. And it's a challenge to all of us. You can live under your own power and strength and be lukewarm, or you can heed this call to have life in the spirit and the place that you now stand is the throne room of God the holy of holies and you have a choice would you live according to your own power and strength or would you Monday through Sunday, abide in the Holy of Holies. Where we reside, right here, right now, in this space, if we had unveiling right now, if somehow our eyes were opened and we were to be able to see where we actually stand, you would fall down as if dead. You're treading where angels tread. To be, to be the gathered people of God, to be gathered in his name, 
is a declaration right now that here what we are saying and what we confess is that right now here in this space, we are in the very presence of God. We are, we are, we are at the foot of his throne room. And if that doesn't shape or reorient how you pray and how you worship and how you interact with one another and how you treat others, like, like do you realize <laughs> where you live? The very presence of God. That's where we reside. Let us not ever live according to our own power. But let us realize we can come boldly before the throne of grace in our time of need. We right now reside in the presence of Jesus. Would you stand with me? Jesus, I... just pray that you would again awaken and still afresh within us a passion for your name. Lord, I confess, Lord, I confess that there are these seasons of life, there are these times where we're just, the fan is broken. <laughs> there has been no cultivation of practices, there's just, there's just has been an absence and awareness of, of your presence. And Lord, I, I just, I just know from my own life, Lord, let, let those, when those seasons happen, when those times take place in my life, would I still be able to respond when your spirit prompts me to return back into the presence of Jesus? Father, reinvigorate us. Lord, earlier today, we sang it together as a community where we cried out, we're crying out, we're crying out. Revival, God of revival. And Lord, that you would start it within us. And so Lord, just, just think about the fact that there are, there are family members, there are friends that I have prayed for, there are things that I've been longing to see you do in, in the world around me. But Lord, as I've, I've been crying out for those areas of revival and restoration to take place, Lord, I pray that what would, what would happen first is that you would, you would again, right now, ignite a passion within my heart for your name. May, let, me, let me know what it is to, to, to crave your presence. Let me know what it is to, to fall deeper and deeper in love with you. Let me know what it is to, to just get the picture of, of the disciples walking beside you every day of their life, this just simple, joyful friendship that is being formed over the, over the, over the season of three years. 
Lord, I just, just imagine that. I think about the, 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 the man Enoch and how it said that every single day he just walked with you until he was no more. And I just pray that that kind of simple kind of friendship would, would happen here amongst us, between us and you. That we would be a people that would know what it is to, to, to be aware of you walking with us, beside us, and even residing within us in every space of our lives. Would we be a people that have this conversational type relationship with you? Help us to cultivate practices of, of abiding with you, Lord. Open up our eyes. May a revelation take place where we realize that we can live life under our own power or we can be a people that know what it is to do all things through your strength. So if we're doing well, Right now in life, if the workplace is going great, if promotions have happened, if, if there's been good, vibrant community happening amongst us, Lord, we say, would we again be baptized afresh with the power of your spirit so that we might again reoccupy those spaces according to your power. And if things are going absolutely tragic in our life, if things have been challenging, if things have been difficult, Lord, if, if we have been stumbling and if we have been failing, whatever the variety of things may be, Lord, we come to you and we cry out and say, Lord, we are ice cold right now and we need you to wake us up. May this be a community that is simply known for our love for Jesus. May this be a community that is vibrant in our worship and our adoration of you. May this be a community that is passionate about your name. May we love you from the depths of our being, from the, from, from the bottom of our toes to the tops of our heads. Jesus, may there be passion within our hearts for your name. Lord, we hear your knocking. We hear your knocking. May we, Faith Community Church, be a people that open up the door and say, Jesus, every space, every space of our life. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for just that calling to, to return back to you and have life filled with your spirit. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.